Thank you for listening to Christ Alone Podcast, where we believe that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected according to the scriptures. Our hope is that God can bless you through this week's episode. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Angie and Steven's podcast. Crass Alone. Crass Alone Podcast. All right. God bless you guys, and welcome to this bonus episode. Bonus episode. Bonus. All right. Um, yeah, we apologize. We don't have actual sound effects because we've just been recording on my phone because it's so convenient. Um, so... Anyways, God bless everybody. Thanks for joining us back. We felt this need, um, and, you know, I'm just going to blame the Lord on this, but we felt this need that we needed to address um, certain things that are just very particular about the month of June. And so we haven't talked about it. We uh, may have said something at the beginning of the month, and we plan to do an episode um, but, uh, you know, as you've been following us, God had other plans. And so here we are, but it's important that we talk about it. And, um, uh, again, we'll just let God take this where he does. Amen. All right. So today's episode is going to be called, uh, homo sapiens. Say it right. Homo sapiens. <laughs> uh, no, homosexuality. Is it a sin? Um, and so a lot of people may ask this question, you know, what's wrong with homosexuality? Is it a sin? Is it really a sin? Um, there's arguments that the word homosexual was inserted into the Bible, you know, within the last couple centuries. Um, and so I guess we'll just, you know, dive into the subject. Um, and just to preface, one of the reasons we obviously want to talk about it is because June has become, I don't know how long it's, it's been. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Pride, Pride Month. Month. I think since 1976. Okay. Uh, since the, uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. Uh, I don't know since when. I know that the Pride flag, the original Pride flag, was uh, created back in like 1976, around there. Um, right. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so we're talking about it because this month is huge. I mean, there's just so much that we could address I mean, first of all, I, I would like to say that the, the rainbow colors that are used in the pride flag, originally it was eight colors, and then it was taken down to six. Two of them were removed. Um, and so I find that super interesting uh, because I don't know exactly if the Bible even mentions this, but I think... The regular rainbow has seven colors. Yes. Is that accurate? Is that in scripture? I don't um, know. Um, it is not in scripture. It okay. just says it just talks about the rainbow and how it is actually, you know, God says that after, you know, Noah and the flood, he says the symbol of the rainbow is a symbol. Basically it's, it's the a covenant that right. he is making with the people that he would never uh flood the earth again. And that's in Genesis, I believe, 9, Genesis nine sixteen, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, the rainbow, it's, I see also that there's a lot of Christians who are afraid or stay away from wearing rainbow colors because of that. And I don't know, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I... I I think for me, it just bothers me that obviously the rainbow is originally a promise of God, and now it's been it's been used by the enemy to you know contort that to change that to some something that um, approves of sin, right. and so the fact that people are now no longer using like I don't use anything rainbow either um, yeah. because there's this, there's another definition behind it, and yeah. you know that's sad because. But should Christians stay away from that? From using the rainbow? Yeah. I mean, should... I mean, it could be argued... I would... That, that we should, you know, boldly uh, pl proclaim the truth, not shy from it. Yeah. And that 
comes with uh, reclaiming the rainbow, yeah. you know, rec- we reclaiming, take it back. reclaiming those colors. And this is not, this is not to say, you know, go out and be hateful or you know, be violent or anything. We by no means condone violence or hate in any way, shape, or form. But what we're saying is you can do this with gentleness and with respect. You can proclaim the truth. And under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can remain calm regardless of the attacks that come your way when you are doing so. Um, In fact, Maybe some things that can get people started is our promise shirts that we have on yes. our website. And so we have shirts that there's a different, uh, there's like four different ones that basically talk about how the rainbow, it's, it, it's a rainbow colors. And it just said, it says it's about promise, not pride, or it's promise over pride. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think the normalization of sin is just so prevalent in general. We're, you know, this is now getting outside of the scope of, you know, the the implications of, you know, Pride Month and all of that. I mean, it's just, you know, we're normalizing sin or the world is trying to normalize sin and we cannot be okay with that. We have to speak up. We have to stand for truth and stand against the things that are not true because, you know, scripture says you're either with God or you are against him. Yeah. And, you know, the time is quickly approaching where, you know, you won't have any more time to, you know, make that decision. No more grace. Yeah. Grace is going to run out. Yeah. And I think it's easy for uh, the unbeliever uh, to say, you know, why not just why not just leave it alone? Why not just let it be? Um, but I think the big thing is, um, you know. We were, we were told to proclaim the gospel, right? So that everyone would have an opportunity to be saved. Um, right. So it's not a, hey, I'm just trying to show that I'm right um, and you're wrong. It's a, hey, this, this is harmful for you. Um, eternally. And God, yeah, eternally. And God has a better plan for you. Um, so I guess, I guess what we can do is we can start with, um, you know, what is sin? Right. Right. So and we'll see if pride, the word pride and what it means, but also what it's become in the month of June and the community that is represented by it. What if it falls under these, you know, under this definition. Okay. And so sin uh, in the original uh, Greek is hamartia and it's the act of wrongdoing, uh, guilt it's uh, uh, a moral violation or transgression of divine command uh, or a state of guilt that results from wrongdoing. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what it is, harmatia. And there is something called hamartiology and is the study of the doctrine of sin. And so I think that and I got this from theologetics.org, but I wanted to read this because I feel like if you are a Christian and if you subscribe to a biblical worldview, I believe that this needs to be part of that belief system. Right. Um, and it says, we believe sin is the breaking of God's laws, as described in 1 John 3, 4. Uh we believe that all mankind is equally guilty because of sin and that the breaking of one law is the same as breaking them all in God's eyes. And this is taken from James 2, verse 10. We believe all sin is infinitely offensive to God because of God's infinite holiness. And we believe that the consequence of sin is death, not only physical death, but spiritual death as well, which is eternal separation from God. So 1 John 3, 4 says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. James 2, 10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Right? 
Yeah, so I, I think it's easy. We've talked about how um, it's easy for us to, to compare our sin with others and be like, hey, I'm not as bad as, uh, we always use the example of Hitler, um, or I'm not as bad as, you know, just a murderer or someone who does this or that. But um, when we look at this verse, it says, anyone who's guilty at one point fails in all of it. You're, the fact is that you're guilty. Um, when we are before the judge, which is God, he's not going to ask, hey, how much are you guilty of? It's just going to be like, are you guilty? And the answer is going to, we're going to have to say yes, we're guilty. Yeah. Of sin. The question rises again. It's not, why does, why would God send good people to hell? But why would God send bad people to heaven? Right. That's the real question. Uh, we have this false sense of goodness about ourselves and it's part of our sin nature where we believe that we are better than we actually are yeah you know sounds a little prideful right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah wink wink right um it does sound prideful i think i think I, i i bring it back to the underlying i think if if we could use one word to that would describe sin and evil and suffering i would i would use the word idolatry because i think idolatry encompasses everything else pride falls under that because we are idolizing ourselves that's what pride is and if you think about it when jesus was asked what's the most important commandment he said love the lord your god right? With all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength. And in the original Ten Commandments, uh, I, it was it the first or second one that says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's, that's idolatry. Mm-hmm. So if you are fulfilling what Jesus says, where you're loving God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, everything that you have, then the idolatry your, your idol is God. And if your idol is not God, then your idol is something. Something has to fill that spot. Yeah. By, by design, we were designed to worship. And we talked about this on another episode also, where if you're not a slave to God, you are a slave to something or someone else. Right. And it's idolatry. What are you idolizing in your life? And so, yeah, so, so in the, for example, in the month of June, what are we idolizing? We are idolizing a sense of identity that we find in something, you know, something that, by the way, is liable to change. There are so many people from the community that I've heard them say, yeah, well, you know what, I've... You know, I felt this way, right? I didn't always used to feel this way, but now I do. Um, Some people claim the opposite, that they've always felt that way. But for those that claim, you know, I didn't feel this way and now I do. Well, guess what? If your mind changed once, it can change again. And so what happens if it changes after you've done, you know, irreparable damage to your body and to your identity, you, you're damaging your spiritual identity because if your identity is not in God, whom you are made in the image of, then you you have an idol and you have a sense of, you know, we, ha- we tend to yeah. find pride in that. I think, and I think most commonly we're taught by society um, that we ourselves, although it won't be said explicitly, it, will, it would be implicit that we ourselves are God's. And so who is it that I'm supposed to please and glorify? It's myself. Myself. And so whatever yeah. I want, um, I should go and get. Yep. Um, and But the Bible, you know, and Christianity teaches me otherwise. It's, uh, it's no, I can't please myself because I know I'm a sinner. Um, and the Bible says, no, my heart is deceitful. You know, how often do we hear people say, follow your heart? Yep. The Bible says. <laughs> guard your heart. <laughs> guard your heart. And your heart is deceitful above all things and so i can't be following my heart yeah um and on the flip side of that it says 
to ask God and he will give you the desires of your heart. But the implication of that verse is that when you've been born again and you are seeking God, God changes the desires of your heart. So in essence, God is guarding your heart by replacing those sinful fleshly desires with his desires. Yeah, and I, I... I just think of our conversation today. Uh, today we were just uh, having lunch and, you know, the question came up, you know, if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? And um, you were the first one that was to answer that question. And I know, had I asked you this maybe five years ago, yeah, what your three wishes would be, they would be completely different. But today, every one of your wishes had to do with God, had to do with what people being saved had to do with, you know, you serving uh, the community, being able to help others financially. Um, And, you know, the other one was having wisdom in the things of God, right? So they all had to do with God. And and I think that's the perfect example of, hey, when we seek God, when we are born again, he changes those desires of our hearts. And I'll say this, I didn't come up with those three wishes. You know, that you know, I chalk it up to God because I, I, I wouldn't norm. I didn't want to say those answers. That's the honest truth. I didn't want to say those answers. I wanted to be selfish and say, no, I want financial security. I want my family to be good. I want for me, I, I, for me. And that is, that is my instinct. So that's also partially why it took me a little bit and I didn't want to answer too quickly because i knew that my default answers would have been that it would have been they would have been flesh related um and so again when you we're just having normal conversation like that that that's not to like try to make anybody feel bad who may say for example no i want you know i want my family to be financially stable i want there's there's nothing wrong with that you know on the surface and and in, in an innocent conversation, we weren't trying to like catch anybody, right. you know, <laughs> uh, we were just, we were just making conversation and there, yeah. honestly, there wasn't a right or wrong answer, but you, you, you're pointing this out and to, to honor God and glorify him because he's the one that does these changes in us and he's the only one that can. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you just pointing out that, I mean, that's not to say that we're not going to, um, like you said, it was difficult for you to say that because our flesh, our flesh and the sin in us makes us want to, um, respond differently when we're asked these questions and just in life, when situations come up, we want to respond differently. Um, but you know, in our, in our flesh, because we're still in our flesh, we are prone to sin, but God calls us to um, for a higher purpose, um, and He gives us us the strength um, to lean on Him when Amen. those situations come. Amen. So sin is act of wrongdoing, moral violation, transgression, lawlessness, guilt that results from all of the above, and it pulls also on morality. You know, and we know evil because we know good. And we know good because there is a standard of good by which we can determine good and evil. Um, And morality or evil, I think, provide an evidence for God. Um, And there's a moral argument for that, but we don't have to get into that. Um, We can just go to, uh, you know, the fact that from the Bible, we still don't know if homosexuality is a sin. We've just been talking about what sin is. So let's move on. So um, so let's see what God has already spoken, right? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So I wanted to preface with that. And we'll go to Leviticus 18, 20 to 23. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife, and so make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to, or, uh, to offer them to Malek, uh, and so profane the name of God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. 
and you shall not lie with any animal and make so and so make yourself unclean with it neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it it is perversion and god he repeats these commands over and over throughout leviticus and i think the purpose of this as we read through scripture is to separate god's people from the rest of the world or better yet from the the pagan world in those times so if the israelites were to live for god they needed to be different. And this was one of the reasons for God setting these commandments. So while this explains why God commanded certain things in context, now we must see if it still applies today. So God, number one, was not pleased with the world. God wanted to set his people apart as an example. And third, God, even God's people could not live up to God's standard. So God sent Jesus to live the sinless life we never could to eternally atone for the sins and impute his righteousness to those that freely accept Christ as Lord and Savior. So do you think that this applies to us today? Yeah, all of it. Absolutely. So um, also keep in mind that it's very common for proclaiming Christians to accept Jesus as Savior of their life, but not as Lord over their life. And so... uh, you know, we want to accept the reward or attempt to accept the reward of salvation, the free gift of salvation without submission. And so I think this is could be one of the reasons why some people who say they are Christian might support Pride Month, might support abortion, you know, might support adultery. Or, you know, I've said before that I think there are three reasons why people may have these contradicting views um, is because they either don't understand the view that they're defending, they don't understand Christianity as a whole, or both. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't understand both. Yeah. And that's a part of it. Yeah. Now, uh, that I know we've said before harshly that you know there are certain things that disqualify you, disqualify you as a Christian, but I want to say that the only thing that could disqualify you as a Christian is the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right. Amen. All right. All right. Um, all right. So then. Oh, sorry. I got freezed up a little bit. All right. Um, so uh, first Corinthians, first uh, Corinthians 10, six to eight says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And this is Paul referencing uh, Israel back in the day. Do not be idolaters. This goes back to idolatry. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Um... Paul first explains in Romans that anyone can live for God and that there is no more distinction. Paul refers back to the Torah and singles out evil, equating it with idolatry and sexual immorality. Paul goes on to name other instances where judgment came down on God's people for their disobedience, all going back to some sort of idolatry. So idolatry is very dangerous in my view. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I assume you would. Um, I would say that it is a chameleon sin, right? Uh, Think of it as a mystique from the X-Men. Mystique is a villain who we can say is sin that could disguise herself by appearing to be other villains or heroes. So in the same way, idolatry can shapeshift in your mind into any sin or seemingly non-sin and make it sin. And um, for example, um, you know, uh, church, let's say church becomes uh, an, idol. an idol, then now that becomes sin. Right. Even though church is not yeah. like a sinful thing, it right. can become sin. So Paul goes on in more detail in Romans 1, 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world 
in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Romans 1, 21 continues, for, all they knew, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 24 to 27, Paul continues, therefore God gave them up to the lust and, and to their hearts, to their impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And he finishes Romans 1, 28 to 32. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with a manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So already we've become, we've been able to see just in Romans chapter one, how Paul is setting the bar for new Christians. Granted, Paul is writing this to the religious folk of, in Rome. We see that this applies to the religious folks of today through all ages. So, um, so what did Jesus say about it? Right, because I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest uh, arguments um, for homosexuality. That you know, although the Old Testament might talk about it, and Romans might talk about it, um, none of that was Jesus talking. But although he didn't, ex I guess, explicitly say the word homosexuality, um, he does talk about what what is a marriage, right? Yeah. Do you have that with you? Yeah. So Mark 10, verses 2 to 9. Do you want to just read that? Since... Yeah. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this command to you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so through this, you know, question that the Pharisees posed, uh, Jesus talks about how God made them male and female, right? He made two different sexes, two different yeah. genders. And he made them in his image, right? That's yes. what it says, right. uh, Genesis one twenty seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, so he's saying that basically anything that's outside of the confines of marriage between a man and a woman yeah. is unlawful in the eyes of God. Yeah. And so, and, you know, we can also argue, hey, just because Jesus didn't say specifically homosexuality, then we can do, like, not anything, not everything that isn't specifically mentioned by Jesus is admissible. Like, he doesn't talk about pedophilia yeah but we can uh we can uh, assume we can infer from what he teaches from his teachings that he would be against it yeah and uh in first corinthians 6 9 to 10 paul says or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of god do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers 
will inherit the kingdom of God. If Paul stopped here, we would all be in trouble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, here Paul is saying that these things will keep us from salvation. And though he's specifically, specifically, (laughs) specifically talking about men who practice homosexuality, we saw in an earlier reference that uh, where female homosexuality uh, is just the same. And so contextually, we have no reason to believe Female homosexuality is any less egregious than male homosexuality. So homosexuality in general is one reason to miss out on God's kingdom. Um, what, I, what I love about these types of verses, like in 1 Corinthians, and there's different uh, verses in Paul's letters where he talks about, okay, this is like he lists a list of sin, right? Yeah. And there's some of, uh, I guess, the quote unquote four sins. But then in there he throws in, like here he throws in, or the greedy, you know, um, in another place, he, he says, nor um, if you dishonor your parents, something like that. Yeah. So it's, it's I think, uh, a big problem with uh, the church and Christians. It's, it's so easy for us to, to point out um, homosexuality. And because just, it's a visible sin. Right, because it's, exactly, because it is a visible sin. Um, but there's a lot of, like, like, as we've mentioned, almost every episode is we well, are all sinners, yeah. right? Um, and just because their sin is visible doesn't make it any greater than our sin. You know, yeah. w- whether it's, you know, because we're being greedy, we're still, yeah. we still deserve punishment. We still deserve I mean, hell. We might as well have greed month right? or adulterer month yeah, or heterosexual month. Because quite frankly, being a heterosexual, and this is mind blowing, being a heterosexual does not make you saved. Right. <laughs> so... Um, you know, we could have, this episode could have just as well been about any other, it could have been about fornication. It could have been about bestiality, you name it. It could have been about that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, all right. So homosexuality in general is one of the reasons that we can miss out on, on God's kingdom. So while verses 6 through 10 leave us naked in front of God's law, the blood of Jesus covers us. In 1 Corinthians six eleven, Paul continues and says, As such were some of you. So he names all these sins and he says, As such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So... Um, this is again, bringing back the, you know, you're, you're saved. Like this is it. You can't be unborn going back to, you know, touching on one saved, always saved, which we need to probably do an episode on. Um, of course, this is not a license to sin as some may misinterpret God's grace to be. Okay. Um, Paul goes on in Galatians 5, 16 to 26 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So I want to go back to something that I wanted to mention earlier that I forgot. Here where Paul uses the word homosexuality, or it's translated to homosexuality, the original is pornea. All right. Mm-hmm. That's the original Greek word, pornea, where we get pornography from. And, you know, just when somebody thinks pornography, 
they don't automatically think homosexuality. Right. <laughs> we, you think heterosexual couples having sex on camera. Right. That's pornography. Um, so, again, this is not to um, isolate homosexuality. This is just a call to attention that homosexuality, just like any other thing that we've mentioned already, mm-hmm. is a sin. And so the problem is not homosexuality itself. It's sin. Sin is the problem. Right. And I think that's, uh, that's basically what we get from um, what you read in Galatians that Paul said. You know, it's, you know, everyone struggles with sin. I think that's he's, he's pointing to. You know, Christians, believers yeah. struggle with sin, but it's a matter of uh, dying to our flesh and living for the spirit, right? So I was going to ask um, earlier, like, do yeah. you think, uh, you know, based on what we've said so far, can someone who is homosexual be saved? I think someone who is homosexual can be saved the same way that someone who is heterosexual can be saved. Our sexuality does not determine salvation. What determines salvation is our heart and what we believe about Jesus Christ. Is he your Lord and Savior? Yes. As a heterosexual male, I can tell you that my instinct, my nature is to want to sleep with beautiful women. Right. That's, that's, my flesh would love to do that 24-7, but I don't do that. Right. Why don't I do that? Because that's a sin. That's sexual immorality. It falls under sexual immorality, which is, sexual immorality is anything sexual outside of the marriage between a man, a single man, and a single woman. Mm-hmm. Husband and wife. Anything outside of that is sexually immoral. Yeah. So as we've seen already, Paul had more to say explicitly about homosexuality than Jesus. However, Jesus implicitly suggests the same by setting the standard of godly or moral sexuality to be between one man and one woman in marriage. Therefore, establishing that sexual immorality is anything outside of the sexuality between a husband and his wife. This includes promiscuity and fornication, sex by non-married parties, adultery, sex with someone other than spouse, masturbation, sex with self, defiling self, homosexuality, sex with same sex. So far, homosexuality is only part of the sin problem. The first three examples implicitly refer to heterosexual behavior that is also considered sexual immorality. So let's Let's also keep in mind that homosexuality is the focus now because it's on everyone's minds and hearts. It's what we see in the news. It's what we see in our communities. And so, you know, whether you support it or against it, it doesn't matter. So I'd say we can look at another verse that really gets to the root of the problem, which is 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5. But I understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, lover, sorry, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, hey, ungrateful, unholy, Are you disobedient heartless, to your parents? <laughs> unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, go- not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. So this doesn't just encompass our sinful nature, but where we currently stand on God's and humanity's timeline. So you basically just describe the world today. Right. Um, And so we might still ask ourselves, okay, how can homosexuality be a sin if it does not hurt anyone? Or, you know... Some people say, well, I've personally know highly moral homosexuals. What would you answer to that? Well, I would say that, you know, in spite of everything, they, you know, we still are all sinners. Um, you know, whether you have a moral homosexual or, a, I guess, a sinner heterosexual, both are sinners. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for all what is it? Romans three twenty three for all for all fall short of the glory all of God. All have sinned. Yeah. You know, so 
Um, regardless, we need a savior. Regardless, we are on our own by our own merits. Um, we, you know, you know, we are damned to hell. Like that is the, that is the price that we should pay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll say two things just because it doesn't hurt anyone as far as we can tell does not mean that it is not a sin as we explained earlier. Masturbation superficially, I guess you could argue doesn't hurt anyone, but it's still a sin because it's a moral issue. And the Bible is explicit about that. You are sinning against your body. That's sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Also, it's the fact that some atheists can have higher morality uh, than some theists, right? There are some atheists that you could say, yeah, oh, that guy's, that guy has a higher moral standard than that Christian. Yeah. And that's possible. We're not saying that, you know, people can't have morality. What we're saying is, is that we are all subject to it. Right. And so even for the atheist who claims there is no God, he is still stealing from God in a sense. So um, I would say, all right, so the argument isn't that homosexuals or atheists, atheists can't be moral. The argument is that much of our behavior is a sin and submission to God implies a suppression of our sinful nature, more accurately dying to our flesh. Romans 8, 12 to 14 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Revelation 21, 5 to 8 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, <clears throat> Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give them, for I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So in other words, Jesus offers us the opportunity to be born again, since we are all born this way, right? Some people say, hey, well, I was born this way. Yes. Well, uh, respective to what that means to you individually, you know, a uh, coward, a thief, a sexual deviant, you know, you could say you were born a coward, you were born a thief, you were born a sexual deviant, you were born a sinner, you were born homosexual, you were born an alcoholic, you were born, whatever. You know, this means that if you we are born twice, we only die once. But if we are born once, then we die twice. So the implication is the implication of the words of Jesus as he explains in John 3 is that because we cannot help being born sinners, in his grace, God offers us a free gift. In accepting this gift, that includes full submission to God through Christ. And we are freed from sin and regenerated, meaning we are made new creatures. So this this regeneration does not include self-righteousness meaning anything we can you know we can do to be good since we fall short of the glory of God it, it just means that we might still fall into sin as God continues to sanctify us through the Holy Spirit being active in our lives with the righteous righteousness God sees in us being that lived by being that was lived by Christ and imputed to us through his sacrifice. I hope that wasn't too confusing. No, it made sense. All right. Um, so basically, you know, we we are righteous not because of anything we do. Mm -hmm. We are righteous because of what Jesus did. And for the same reason, Jesus was crucified, not for his sins, but for ours. And so that's that's the deal that God has offered us. And it's up to us to to accept it or not. So in conclusion, homosexuality, Sin? I'd say it's a resounding yes. 
but also not the only sin, right? In the same way that a man might be inclined to be promiscuous heterosexually, a homosexual may be inclined to practice homosexuality. However, one cannot be a, again, going back to what we said earlier, one cannot be a promiscuous Christian, regardless of how one might feel, the same way one cannot be a homosexual Christian. This is in the, I know I said earlier that you can, but this is in the sense of you can be a practicing homosexual. You can have these feelings. You can, you can struggle with the f- feeling of feeling, you know, that you are a homosexual the same way that I could struggle with the feeling of wanting to sleep with beautiful women. But we have to kill and die to ourselves right. and submit ourselves to God so that God could put our flesh to death. In fact, he's already done so. We just have to accept that. So, um, so the feelings, they're not the sin. It's where those feelings can lead that can become the sin. So, um, <laughs> so Jack Hibbs says this thing, right? He says that we're all plagued with sin in a way that he says, he describes it as we all have an STD, a sinfully transmitted disease, nice. which makes us all sin positive. And thankfully, <laughs> there is a cure. The blood of Jesus. Amen. All right? But just like, any, just like any other cure, it's available. Yet, you still have to accept and receive it for yourself. There are no requirements for eligibility of this cure, except that you genuinely believe in it, that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and resurrected on the third day as it had been written in the scriptures hundreds of years prior. And so, um, think about it this way, right? Um, the, um, the cure, right? Let's say there's a cure for a disease. The cure can exist, but unless you go and receive it, you're not going to be cured from your disease, right? All right. So lastly, um, I want to end with what God said and did in the beginning during creation. Um, so Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see that we're made in the image of God, male and female, and that we are to be fruitful and multiply. So God created male and female to complement each other and to procreate. And so uh, homosexuality doesn't allow for that. Doesn't allow for that. In fact, even if you were non-Christian, even if you subscribe to evolution, this goes against that. Right. Evolution is described as natural selection, you know, Survival of the fittest through na- through natural se- selection, right? And so, if that's the case, then homosexual homosexuals would die out eventually because right. they couldn't procreate. Right. They would have to just keep adopting kids, but their their bloodline would end mm-hmm. eventually. So, yeah. So you know we can use that just leaving the Bible to the side, we can just argue uh, against that without using the Bible. But I think we've concluded that homosexuality is a sin, Mm -hmm. but also just like any other sin. Right. And that's the problem. Yeah. I love that you, um, you know, we pointed out that it's, it's not, Hey, we're not trying to point out just. Yeah. We're not trying to isolate them. We're just saying Because it's on everyone's mind, because it's Pride Month, um, even though this episode will likely air July 2nd, (laughs) um, uh, idolatry and sin is the problem. Right. And yeah, and I like the whole thing that you said that, you know, it's easy for, because I think the common thing, um, you know, is like you said, is I was born this way. But as you said, I was born, you know. Fill in the blank. I was yeah. born a liar. I was born. That's why um, Jesus said we must thief. be I was born, born again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was also born a sinner and, you know, I've been born again. 
So, again, so, I, you know, read your Bibles is really what I can tell Christians. You know, when you have questions about topics like this, study the Word. Study God's Word. Mm-hmm. Get into some fellowship. Discuss it. Right. Pray about it. And I think I think the sad the 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 difficult thing for me um is I know that there are people that don't believe that don't want to follow Christianity because they disagree with certain things that the Bible says. It's mm-hmm. like I, I don't even want to hear about God because I disagree with this this and that and you yeah. know the the list could be whatever. Um but it should be the opposite. It's let me see if your God is real. And then we'll determine, okay, if that right. God is real, then I can say what is wrong and what it's, isn't. It's Based a, on that, it's right. reversed. Yeah, it's the wrong approach. Right. It's not a rational approach. Right. All right. So we'll end with that. Um, you guys can find us at ChristAlonePodcast.com. All of our handles are Christ Alone Podcast, except for Twitter, which is Christ Alone Pod, And our number is? 407-796-2881. Feel free to call, text us with your questions, suggestions, prayer requests. Um, also, if you are struggling with homosexuality, I want to recommend a book by Christopher Yuang. And I forget what it's called, but I will post it in the podcast description. Um, it's a wonderful book about his journey and his struggles with homosexuality and... Uh, drug abuse or drug use or drug abuse. And so, again, the author's name is Christopher Yuang. Out of a Far Country? Yes. It's called, the book is called Out of a Far Country. The book was written by himself and his mother. And what I like about this book is that it, it gives you two sides of the story. It gives you the side of the son who's struggling with homosexuality and how he's dealing with it. So the book begins in chapter one, where he's talking about a specific scenario in the kitchen of his home, uh, where he's about to come out to his parents. And you get that side of the story. Then the second chapter is that same scenario. But now you get the mom's perspective of the story and what her thoughts were as they were going through this. And so I think it gives you a full picture of the struggle within the nucleus of the family that people go through. I mean, this is a real thing. And I think that not enough of us Christians um, are provide or extend God's grace enough to people in this situation. And, and, I, and, you know, we need to extend God's love in that manner and pray for them and be there for them. And it's, it's not about shoving Bible verses down their throats. It's just about loving them and showing them God's character through us. Amen. So I hope that this episode um, blesses you. I hope that you get an opportunity to read the book um, and, um, and that that blesses you and equips you as well. And so it's an incredible story. Amen. I'll say that. All right. God bless you guys. And if we don't see you next week, we'll see you in the clouds. Amen. <laughs>